everybody, and welcome to another episode of Book Goodies Podcast, the author series. Uh, I'm your host, Deborah Carney, and with me today I have Joe Picard. Hi, Joe. How are you doing? Not too bad. Um, Funny out, it's Vancouver. It's not strange. Um, Vancouver's <laughs> known for its rain, and uh, we've been getting scorched here for about a week now. Wow. You're going to have a drought, something you never get. Nah. Um, All right, Joe, so why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners and give us a little bit about, you know, what your current projects are that you're working on. Uh, I've been uh, interested in in writing for as long as I can remember, and the idea of doing a book was pretty foreign to me up until about 2001 or so, and uh, all of a sudden I wrote a short story, which led to a sequel, another sequel, and a prequel, and all these short stories turned into a book, amazingly, and I had to actually publish it. And after I did one book, well, I thought that wasn't so hard, so I did another and another. Now I'm working on number four, which is... I'm kind of flipping two different projects. Um, I've been doing science fiction, but the next couple might not be. One's about uh, <laughs> four guys that live in a apartment-sized environment that uh, they don't know the rest of the world exists. And there's this guy in a big rubber suit that lives in their ceiling and tells them what to do. And they think that's perfectly normal because they've been like that their entire lives. (laughs) You write like my son wrote. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. That that sounds like a really interesting, a really interesting book. Now, you said you just kind of like fell into it because you started writing short stories. Now, back in 2001, there weren't as many publishing options as there are now. Um, How did you publish your first book? Well, when, when I went looking for publishing, I consulted the great and mighty Google. Mm-hmm. How do I publish? And at first, I didn't know about self-publishing. Mm-hmm. I knew the traditional methods, and the end result I came up with at that point was I could find my 50 favorite publishers. Mm-hmm. Mostly, most of them wanted printed hard copies, and some of them want double space, some of them want single space, some want... 1.5 space, one something, yeah, 1.38 space, whatever, <laughs> and they all want them in their certain formats, and they want pages X to Z, or they want the first three chapters, or they want the middle three chapters, blah, 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 and send them all off, great, and then wait up to a year to find out if any of them even got it in the mail, Right. which seemed totally ridiculous. I didn't have the patience, because I had a new book, and I was just itching to get it out there, so then somebody told me about Lulu, and said, oh, well, this kind of sounds good. And I have a graphics background, so doing the cover, I didn't have to worry about that. Like When I give people advice on self-publishing, I think, oh, yeah, I can do this, 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 and I don't realize, hey, you're not an artist, are you? You're going to need to cover. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of bad covers out there, so be careful. Yeah. So, Lulu, yeah, I, I, um, I actually used to work for CafePress.com, and they had um, book published, you know, print-on-demand book. Uh, availability as well, but Lulu popped up right around the same time and uh, gave people a platform, and, and I know back then it was a little bit harder to, to use than it is now, but um, it did give you an outlet where you didn't have to wait a year and you could get your book out there right away and be on the Lulu platform. Um, were you able to get into Amazon from Lulu back in the day? I believe so, yeah. Um you know, a whole Probably. 10 years ago. <laughs> so yeah. much has changed. Lulu and Amazon didn't get along very well. well I shouldn't say that, but uh, I don't think Amazon really felt comfortable with Lulu being this interloper. And it took a long time for the book to actually get on Amazon, which by a long time, I mean 
almost a month. Right. Uh, but uh, <laughs> at the time, that felt excruciating. But um, I had, I have since switched to Create Space. Mm-hmm. Uh, their prices are a little bit better for my end, and they're in bed with Amazon. I think they're uh, owned by Amazon actually. So yep. things get to Amazon a lot quicker from Create Space, which satisfies my OCD a lot quicker. Yeah. So that's good, and I'm. They don't do hardcover though, so I still do Lulu for hardcovers. They're still okay. pricey spec, but they're pretty. And um, create yeah, space it doesn't for, cost uh, you anything, and it gives you the option. Yeah, well, who buys the hardcovers? There's hardcores for hardcovers, and they don't sell super great. But those who love them love hardcovers a lot. And mm-hmm. I, I have to have my own books in hardcover because they're pretty, and I can defend myself with them. <laughs> that you can grab a book off the shelf and whack somebody that's that's interloping into your home (laughs) that's how i feel about computer keyboards too there's a lot that are nice and light and look really cute but you get one from about 20 years ago you can do some damage with one of those (laughs) yeah and they also feel like you're typing on something and they make a click rather than just being these little quiet chiclets (laughs) i think that would drive me nuts though yeah, but you know, I mean, for people who who switched from typewriters to computer keyboards, you know, you needed that tactile and the the noise to know that you were actually writing something. So, um, all right, well, that sounds like a really interesting path. I like the uh, I like the idea that you started with short stories and you strung them together because I'm noticing a lot more. Uh, books that are coming together, uh, in particular, things like autobiographies or biographies that are, instead of being this dry reading material, they're actually a collection of stories. And I think that makes for, in today's society, we want a self-contained story. You know, we want to read a novel, but when we finish a chapter, we don't want to feel like we have to, like, you know, like if we're at the doctor's and, you know, we're in the middle of a chapter, you know, we feel satisfied that we read that chapter and we don't have to... You know, immediately, you know, I, I, I can't go see you right now, Doc. I'm in the middle of, I got I to gotta, I, I gotta read and see what's going to happen next. So, um, the problem I, with I like books that are, is that I can never be finished. Yeah, exactly. Um, I like I like books that are a collection of stories. And then you, like you said, you, you, you wrote so much and then you had a prequel. And so it was just a natural progression to put them together into a book. Although the first book, it, it doesn't read like short stories. I did okay. smudge the edges together a bit, so it's it looks like it's... If you're really, really looking for where the sh- one short story ends and the next begins, you can kind of tell, well, here was a big battle. Well, that would have ended a story really well, you all know, because mm-hmm. it did. But um, in, in the full book, it's just one big thing that happens about 25% of the way through. But, uh, oh right! I you know, you, the, you put it together as you didn't. You didn't do it as an anthology. You did it as an actual story. But it started out in your mind as a, a string of stories. Yeah. Well, I didn't. Like I said, I didn't plan it to be a big thing at first. Um, I'd been doing a lot of art. Uh, Deviant art was the name of the site. For those who aren't familiar with it, it's not my art. It was Deviant particularly? But um, <laughs> I, I, I had these pictures up. It was shortly after an accident that put me in a wheelchair, and I suddenly had a lot more free time on my hands. Okay. So I really got into my art a little more because I had time, and I fell in love with this one character, so I wrote a little description for the picture, put on DeviantArt. Next picture, description a little bit longer. Well, let's have her doing something. Description got longer, description got longer. Oh, look at all these pictures and all these descriptions. i got to glue them together and something makes sense. So it turned into a short story. Awesome. And, and 
by then I love the character. Oh, let's do another. Let's do another. And then I realized, yeah, this is a book. Sorry. <laughs> Did you include any of the art in the book? No. I was kind of conflicted on that because um, it's kind of anime-style art. Right, which story, is fine. Yeah, but the story isn't very anime-ish. Okay. And, like, heavens forbid I put that on the cover and people see the book and think, oh, it's an anime thing. It's it's maybe for tweeners or something. And it's, Right. I, I know a lot of tweeners that do like my books, but it's not really aimed at that. It's not aimed there, yeah. I I would take the art and put it together as a tweener anime art book just for the fun of it. I've been tempted to take all three of my books, put them in one giant ungodly monster of a tome, mm-hmm. along with art. And somebody said, oh, you know that role-playing game stuff you did a long time ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make a version of that for your books and put that in there, too. <laughs> what are you trying to do to me? I have two kids. i got no time. <laughs> Well, I like the idea of putting the art together in its own little standalone because that would be fun for people to flip through on their Kindle as well as order a print copy to to look at and enjoy. But, you know, that's my own opinion. The more um, I think about it, the more that sounds like fun to put on my own shelf. I've, I've bought, bought in good English. I are a good author. <laughs> uh, I've bought other people's art books, so you know what, I think I maybe I should do that. Yeah, that's how I did my first few photography books, is I picked things that I wanted to look at, because yeah. I'm tired of having to go through the 100,000 images on my computer every time okay. I wanted to look at something. And I can't put them all on my walls, because I don't have enough wall space. <laughs> you know, I don't live in a museum, so I put yeah. them together into books. And with the Kindle Fire, that inspired oh. me to take all my color. You know, I'm, I'm a photographer for my whole life, so... It, mm-hmm. it inspired me to take a lot of my stuff and put it together into books, and then I have them sitting here. And when I want to look at, at a particular photo or a particular topic, I just pick one of my books up and flip through it. Or if you have somebody come over and say, oh, hey, you know, I, once I did this picture, it was really cool. I had blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Oh, hang on, like this the computer. No, you can just yank the book and, yeah, that one. Yep, and it's not a big fat portfolio where they have to flip through mm. all the plastic pages. And, you know, it's like, oh, yeah. here's the book. And then they go, you have a book? Wow. <laughs> and, you know, it really, it, yeah, I would totally encourage you to do that. I've talked to a few artists this week that um, have written fiction or nonfiction, and they, you know, when I mentioned photography, they were like, oh, you know, I have art sitting around that I wanted to put in a book, but I didn't know if it would work well. And Create Space is still the soft cover, but it's still, it's, it's a nice print book. It's a nice heavyweight paper. Yeah. And the prints come out very nicely. What's self-publishing is that if somebody wants to do a project like that and it bombs, big deal. Nobody (laughs) cares. Yeah. You can order them for yourself and your friends and family and that's it. It didn't cost. one, go for it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I have sold a few more than I expected quickly because the other thing you can do, which I'm sure you know, is that you can link your books in hardcover and softcover on Amazon. So... If people yeah. want to buy the Kindle version of a photography book and flip through it and they decide they like it enough, they can go back and buy the print. So. Yeah, I uh, I sell my posters through, um, uh, what's the name of it? It's totally left in mind. Art. Uh, I, know all the, I know all the PODs, so. Vokey.com. Which one? Vokey. Oh. They uh, aim towards photography prints, and I thought, well, why can't I throw my art on there? And okay. That works. And I've, I've done a few of those, but um, I haven't really marketed that much. Yeah. But, uh, 
Well, and I, you know, art is more personal and has a more limited library or a more limited um, audience. But yeah. again, if you put together the book, then you link them to an uh, to a gallery that has those prints all available for sale in case they fall in love with one and want to have that, you know, 20 by 30 on their wall. I've taken a few prints with me to a convention that I go to every year, um, Beacon in Vancouver. Okay. Uh, science fiction, fantasy, blah, 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 blah. But um, that's um, a kind of market where those are my fellow nerds. If I throw an anime picture on the wall, mm-hmm. they know all about it. They know it's not kid stuff. And right. they could kick out of seeing that. And I've had people say, hey, I bought two of your books. Can I have that print? Uh-huh. But I want everybody to see it. Uh, talk to me at the end of the con. And usually, yeah, they come back like late Sunday. Can I have it? Oh, fine. I want to stick it home with me. But okay, I kind of promised to sort of. So <laughs> I have to make an order now. I've got the con coming down the pipe pretty soon. And uh, right now my table's looking pretty bare and scary right now. Uh-oh. Yeah. Um, all right. So now tell me some other reasons why you chose i mean you said you investigated you know and you gave us a lot of reasons why you don't want to traditionally publish which i totally agree with you know i mean first of all there's time frame second of all they get to pick what your cover is going to look like and third of all they get to decide what the inside of your book is going to contain so um tell us a little bit more about you know your self-publishing journey and and why you think folks should self-publish rather than go down that traditional road a lot of it comes down to self-pacing um, from one week to the next, uh, like I might have mentioned, I have two kids, and some weeks I get zero time to do anything, and mm-hmm. another week, hmm, tomorrow actually, the family is all going to see a baseball game, and I'm not going to go see it, and they're <laughs> going across the line to go watch it, and I have basically the whole day to myself, and I'm going to get a lot done. Yeah. And in the summer, they're going camping, and wheelchairs and camping don't exactly mix, so I yeah. haven't eaten out on that, so um, I'm going to have a about a week there I'm going to get a lot done I mean my second book I think it got mostly written during other people's camping trips there you go that's awesome and by the way um, I had two sons that were in wheelchairs and try flying cross country with two power wheelchairs and two young men two young men that can't sit up straight by themselves (laughs) I got the middle seat and and my arms got to be like uh, (laughs) it's it's an interesting thing so I understand about wheelchairs and camping they do not go to any they did not go well together. Um, I, I flew to my honeymoon. Um, actually, I, part of my honeymoon was in New York, and we flew, and I found about the magical aisle chair. Yes. I felt like Hannibal freaking Lecter in that thing. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sitting in the terminal, and I'm bondaged up with my arms against my chest in this yep. chair that's has wheels about the size of wheels on a shopping cart. Even yep. if my arms were free, I couldn't reach these wheels, and I'm stuck there, and... Okay, somebody gonna push me somewhere, and I don't really feel. Oh, who are you? Do you know how to drive these things? Ah. <laughs> yeah, and the aisle chairs actually didn't work for my kids because they were um, they had muscle contractures. So that you know, we took their actual wheelchair all the way down the the um, the jetway, and then oh. I carried them in, and. Oh. And then they had to, um, the, the really fun part was when we got to the other side and they're like trying to bring these little teeny tiny aisle, you know, the aisle chair. And I'm like, my child is not going to sit in that. You need to bring up their power chairs. And I told you that at the other end of this trip. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, lots of challenges that go along with that. However. A lot of people just don't get it. And however, 
even though you're in a wheelchair, you are able to create your art and you are able to work from home. I'm assuming you work from home. Actually, I'm a stay-at-home dad currently. Yeah. Uh, and it, you're able to, you know, work your craft and and be flexible enough to not have to worry about getting into an office building in a car and all that crap every day. Well, I'm a I'm paraplegic and my, you know, my arms and hands are okay and I was never a football player to begin with, so mm-hmm. my athletic career hasn't been hampered too much. <laughs> I've been a nerd since I could get out of the computer. Right. And so, yeah, there's a lot of other things to being in wheelchair that people don't see. You're right. But um, people think, oh, well, don't you miss going to such and such? Not really. I hated that. <laughs> and a lot so of the places you go, you're going to sit when you get there anyway. Yeah. Uh, one of my most overused jokes is if people are jockeying for seats around a chair, a table or something, like, ah, oh, you noobs, bring your own chair like I did. Yeah. Eh. Well, and my sons always liked uh, where their eye height hit on particular <laughs> people when they yeah. were at a club or party or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Eyes up here. Sorry, my eyes are actually down here. Those are in my face. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not looking on purpose. Okay, back to the topic at hand. <laughs> it's good that you have humor, and I'm going to assume that your science fiction includes some of that humor. Oh, yeah. I, I'm i a smart aleck, um, and I can't help that le- leaking through. And I have to refrain some of my characters. My main character is always, well, I shouldn't say always, but uh, my first character, the main character, is a really, she's way overconfident about herself to a point where she ends up making a joke of herself now and then by accident. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it, half my characters have a bit of that in them and the other half, not so much, but, um, it has to be there. Otherwise I'm not having fun. I, right. I, two things I hate is science fiction that takes itself way too seriously mm-hmm. and science fiction that tries way too hard to jam humor in there. Like, <laughs> I like to point and, laugh at uh, Star Trek yep Star Trek jokes are horrible and you hear this you get into a scene and somebody says oh yeah and the the Norovian blah 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 said blah, blah, and everybody laughs and the viewer at home goes ah that must have been funny if you're a alien in the year whatever but <laughs> not, uh-huh. not so much today <laughs> yeah that's why I'm a huge fan of Joss Whedon um he gets the humor in there. I, I'm going to sound like I'm trying to compare myself to him, which is conceited, but in some ways, but um, in a very natural way that it's not a forced thing. It's the way people make jokes in real situations. And if uh, something's funny to the character, it might come out their mouth. Right. Yeah, that's, that's you know, it, it, and it's telling real stories the way real people would and injecting humor the way real people would, um, or fantasy people, um, you know, keeping in character. Um, yeah. Now, you mentioned book covers. So, like, you're an artist, so you drew your own book cover. When people are self-publishing, what's your advice to them about uh, creating their own versus getting a professional or uh, what should be some of the elements on their cover? Oh, please stay away from Poser. Uh, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, it's a program for doing 3D models of people, and you can spot them a mile away, and okay. they don't 
great and the eyes always look kind of dead and creepy and there are people who do great things with Poser but you can still kind of tell and maybe I'm oversensitive to Poser because I am a graphic artist and I kind of see these things but most of them look really bad. Um, there's sites out there that make fun of really bad covers and if you browse oh. those you can get an idea of <laughs> how bad it can be and I did not know that. I should better I better go look and see if some of my covers are on there. <laughs> if you're trying too hard to get your message across, maybe you should go with simpler. That might be better. Like my my first book, Life Hack, um, I'd love to have a picture of the main character on there. I talked to some people to do some free modeling. Um, one was kind of interested, but then she found out the character was a lesbian. She said, no, I, I'm okay with that, but I don't want to be thinking people that because I'm on, oh, okay, fine. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, so the cover for the first book, I'm not super happy with. The, it looks makes it look it's very horror-based, and, you know, you, you, you unleash a couple million zombies and people think it's all horror. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's a personal story that just happens to have a couple million zombies in it and a lot of bullets. But <laughs> I, <laughs> That's what I, you I, like I, to I, write, so that's fine. <laughs> I'd like to have a more personalized cover in it, but it's still a, it's a good-looking cover. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it sends the right message, but um, I get good feedback on the book, so I'm not super, super worried about that. Okay. Um, and then another thing that I've talked to a lot of people about is whether they have um, an external editor come in and, and look at their things, or do you self-edit? How do you, how do you manage that? I edit myself as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, I am the king of the typo. Okay. I often write on energy drinks, and when I get a, a good high, <laughs> I write like crazy, and then a couple hours later when I come down, I can see the typos suddenly, and I've seen like five typos in a word. <laughs> and, what was oh, I, I trying to say? <laughs> yeah, a lot of great ideas dump out, but then you have to filter all that out. And once I'm done editing a book, and I think I'm done editing a book, I call my volunteer editing force. Okay. Which, um, the first time I did that for the first book, I basically printed it out on 8.5 by 11 and handed it around. And people, like good friends, they're, they're, they look at it and think, oh, okay, yeah, Joe, well, I found a typo, found a typo. And they were kind of casual about it. And then I had it printed. And uh, first edition of Life Hack, don't just... I think the full title was Azu, AZU1 Life Hack. It's a red cover. If you see it, burn it. <laughs> but um, when my, my volunteer editors saw that, I think they kind of silently went in their heads, oh, shit, he was serious. He's actually making a book. Uh-huh. After that, uh, <laughs> it kind of did a wheat from the shaft kind of thing, and uh, the good editors stepped forward for the for the second edition that eventually got made. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now I'm down to four like sniper editors that uh, both my parents are on this force because they had to be, of course. Yes. Uh, my dad is good at uh, finding the slang and some of the things that just kind of itch the wrong way. Um, my mom has her own specialty. Another guy, he... He looks at the tactics a lot and the logic that, uh, hey, Joe, you know what? Hollow point bullets wouldn't do good with that kind of thing. Uh, really? What would you recommend? Well, blah, 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 blah. that's way too much jargon, but I say what you're saying. But So we wrestle on how much gun mm, jibber-jibber we want to put in the book. Right. I seem like that as much as I can. 
but uh, at the same time, I don't want to put in something that's totally BS. And, right, uh, because the guys who shoot guns are going to know that that doesn't work. Oh, yeah. I, I'd rather name just the automatic rifle as opposed to the AR blah, 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 right. and have someone say, I shot one of those. Those are crap. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you can't hit that with those. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> That would turn that into, you know, a piece of Swiss cheese, not that single hole you said that the guy got shot. Yeah, but it's a zombie. The rules are different, okay? (laughs) Armor-piercing bullets will still make this many holes, even in a zombie. There you Uh, go. So, yeah, that's great. So you have people that um, help you edit, and like you said, you can you can wrestle back and forth with them, but they still you can be true to your story, but you can still learn how to get around the things that and, oh, yeah, totally. and make it more authentic. Now my process is um, when I think it's done, I print one out per editor. Mm-hmm. Actually, two of them like a, a hard copy, the other two like an e-copy. Right. So I give them to them, and they send me back the paper ones. I Give them a highlighter. Yeah. Write, smear it up. Write notes in the margin. Let me know. And similar with the eBooks. Mm-hmm. And I go through each one. Typos, of course, they get corrected as is. And some sometimes I'll see something like, oh well, Regan should have really done this or said this. Mm-hmm. And I'll meditate on it. I'll think about it. Oh, sometimes I say, yeah, well, that makes more sense. Another time I say, no, Regan's just kind of stupid like that. And she would do that. <laughs> <laughs> so. But it. It, that's a, my big tip of advice for anybody getting critiques from anything is that um, if somebody else has an opinion, it's still an opinion. Mm-hmm. Take counts, even if it sounds stupid at first, think about it for a while. Because even if somebody says something totally inflammatory, like somebody on a message board says, oh, this sucks, such and such and such. Okay, why does that suck to you? What is it that set you off that uh, maybe there's something in there that I would agree with you with? Mm-hmm. I still think it sucks in the end, but there could be something in there that, yeah, maybe it could be a little better for some people. Like, just recently, I did a little an extra an extra edit for all all the books. Um, for years, I've been reading Life Hack, and being very conceited, I read my own stuff, <laughs> and um, and then oh yeah, there's a typo that even my editing task force missed. So I'll jot that down, and finally I came to enough that I said, okay, well, let's do fresh editions, and so there's, nah, they all have a handful less typos in them, because there's always typos, always, 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 and somebody on Facebook said, hey, Joe, what's with this lieutenant business? As long as you're fixing typos, kill the lieutenant business. (laughs) And Uh, you're like, huh? Yeah, well, uh, lieutenant... In Canada and the UK, often gets pronounced lieutenant. Right. And I thought, well, maybe they should spell it that way. So I spelled it lieutenant, but technically it's spelled lieutenant, like like lieutenant, like everybody knows lieutenant. Right. But I had lieutenant, and I had I could find historical precedents for that spelling. Right. And so I kind of sucked my guns on that originally. Mm-hmm. And so I brought it up and. I told him why I did that, and he kind of, yeah, 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 Joe, just, uh, I don't know, you're trying too hard. Just fix it. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mauled on that, and I mentioned my wife, she says, she says, yeah, you should totally do that. Really? Okay. <laughs> All my lieutenants are gone. You can never tell my books that they're pronouncing it lieutenant. But they are, dang it. <laughs> dang it, yeah. 
That's and and that's one of those things that um, it's it's one of those words that if you play with too much, you may offend people instead of them getting the the point that it's just the way your you know your characters pronouncing things. So yeah, if if, if somebody stumbles on it every time they see it, and they might understand the reasoning, but if they stumble on it every time, I mean the goal is to get people to read it smoothly and get the story and get the feeling and get the mood. And if they see lieutenants and go, yeah. they're broken out of the rhythm. Yep. That makes total sense. Um, all right. And then now we come to the really hard part. Uh, what are some of the ways that you marketed your book? Because you can put it up on Lulu. You can put it up on Amazon. But people yeah. are generally going to just stumble over it themselves. That's the big one. Um, the most fun one I did, but also the stupidest because it doesn't really do much. Um, Have you ever heard of a game called Little Big Planet? Uh, Maybe. Um, It's a very cutesy jump and bop type platformer game on the PlayStation 3, and when it was coming out, I was so hyped up over it because you could build your own levels, and I've been in the video game industry in very limited function, and ever since I was playing video games, I wanted to make them, and this video game offered me, hey, you can make levels, really? And at the same time, I was working on the second edition of Life Act. So those were the two big things I was hyper about. When Little Big Planet came out, I made Life Act levels. You can play the entire book in Life Act levels in a very cartoony sort of way, but they're out there. And I held contests. I went on message boards talking about these levels, talking about the books, and I held contests like, if you get such and such a score, after a week, the one that gets the best score, I'll send you a free copy of the book. Oh, nice. That went over pretty well. It, it it was a fun event, and I think I did that for, yeah, I did that for two books, and then I finally lost interest in the little bit plans. Right. <laughs> I ended up giving away maybe four hard copies and maybe about ten ebooks. Mm-hmm. Little Big Planet contest results. I don't know. You can't really track where sales come from, mm-hmm. so I have no idea if any of those translated into actual sales, but. I don't think it really was a whole lot, but it... It doesn't hurt. Anytime you get your name out there in front of your target audience, you're gonna, it's going to help you. Yeah. Um, Do you use social media much? Yeah. I, I'm on Facebook with a, with a page that... Uh, the problem with that kind of thing, and blogs, my blog is so neglected, but when you have something like that, you also have to promote those to get them there. Mm-hmm. In a way, you're costing yourself an extra step. So it's kind of like you have to advertise to get people to go look at your advertising. <laughs> yeah. So well, what happens, to, to add content that people will come, keep coming back for, right? I guess that's the trick, and that's that's tricky. <laughs> it is tricky. Um, I like to think of it as a funnel. I put up pages on Facebook, and then I don't promote those pages other than, like, at the end of the podcast, I'll tell people that they can go to the Book Goodies Facebook page. But um, in the end, all of my peripheral social media is just a funnel to get people to the website. So whenever possible, I just lead directly to the websites and um, let Facebook do its thing to have the people, you know, put enough content there so the people that are in your genre know that they, you know, you'll come up in a search or whatever. Yeah. But I don't I don't put extra effort into Facebook to specifically, as a matter of fact, because of the way they changed the way your Facebook fan page updates go out, 
um, and they want you to pay to promote your updates now. I actually, I actually did. Uh, they want five bucks budget to promote um, a post <laughs> now. So I paid five bucks to put up a post that said, "Go to my website and sign up for my newsletter." Because Facebook isn't showing you all the updates here on yeah. on my bookities page anymore, and they got me some newsletter signups, and I was chuckling, you know, because it's like, okay, well, if you're not gonna give the people who signed up for updates for me the updates, then I might as well send them right back to my website <laughs> so they can sign up there for my newsletter and get my updates. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's so tricky, right? what'll really resonate with your target audience. I mean, that's with the science fiction, that's kind of tricky too, because if you go to just general book audience, the general book audience isn't looking for science fiction. Correct. Which is what's really handy when I go to this convention, I should really should go to more science fiction conventions, but uh, again, ah, two kids, but um, going there, you're right there in the audience that you exactly want to talk to. And the first time I went to one of those, I felt like a hypocrite a little bit because I'd never been to a science fiction convention before and here I am showing up. Here, buy my stuff. You don't know me, but buy my stuff. But I'm also a little bit of a chatterbug. Yeah, and, so you uh, can engage people. Exactly. People came by my table and another tactic is I have something stupid on my table all the time mm-hmm. just to cause conversations. Uh, the best one I had was the... Um, world's first combat spatula. <laughs> Somebody ended up buying that. Oh I, it wasn't for sale. Somebody said, oh, there was a poster I had with it that uh, the UN had offered me 3000 blah, 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 and 72 cents for it. And this guy put his thumb over all the price except for $7.32, and he said, I'll buy it. <laughs> it's not for sale. It's just that, but it says it's for sale. Yeah, you have 3000 No, I'll buy it for that much. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Talk to me on Sunday. Right. When so, I have to take it back home with me, I'll let you. Yeah. I'll let you have it. Yeah, and uh, he. I got him on my blog, holding holding aloft his new weapon of choice. Right. <laughs> and uh, something stupid on the table to cause conversations, and someone would come along, and we'll get talking. This is this 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 blah 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 blah. Oh, did you see the new Stargate? Blah blah blah. And and. Oh, by the way, yeah, yeah, these books are here for sale. And oh, yeah, by the way, Stargate. And um, I'm just not focused on the sale. I'm not hard sales at all, which I really right. should learn, I suppose. But um, no, and I agree with your method of selling. I um, I've never been a hard sell person, and I know there's people that are very successful being hard sell people. But I always figure that I'll put out there what I what I do and what I like. I was a wedding photographer for 25 years. And I never, like, tried to talk somebody into hiring me, and which, you know, other wedding photographers are like, you're crazy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the first year I was a photographer, I had Yellow Pages ads, because back then, that's what you did. And yeah. um, after that first year of having a Yellow Page ad, I never had to advertise again, because I would bring people into my home. I had a special room that was set up, you know, for people to come in and, and see photos, and they would look at my work and talk to me. And if we were compatible, they would hire me. And I wasn't the most expensive and I wasn't the least expensive. And, you know, I really, that's the same way with my books. I'm going to put them out there, but I'm not going to force you to buy my book because what if you read it and you hate it? <laughs> you know, like you said, not everybody likes science fiction. And one of the books I have out there now is science fiction fantasy. And, 
it's not I, I sent it to some people to preview and they you know read the first first chapter or whatever and they're like this isn't my kind of book I'm not even gonna you know I'm not even gonna try so yeah. you know I'm not gonna give you a bad review but I'm, I'm not gonna I'm just not even gonna read the book because it's not a kind of style of book that I want to read right. and I think that that's what you need to go after like you said and I love the fact that you're advertising offline because that's you know, a lot of people think that because their book is available online, people are just going to find it. No. <laughs> it, it, yes, yes, it's global. Congratulations. Welcome to the world. You're the smallest fish in the biggest ocean. Now what? <laughs> exactly. And you're going to where your audience is. Like you said, you should go to more science fiction conventions and maybe, you know, as your kids get older, you'll be able to do that. But for right now, you go to ones that are close to you and, you know, you go to your local bookstores or you go to wherever and, you know, you you yeah. do the promotion the way that you can do it. I thought I was really smart. A while ago, I um, put my books into a local comic book store. Okay. Because it's a high nerd population and uh, science fiction is for nerds. Mm-hmm. And um, it didn't really work. They're not looking for novels. They're looking for the next comic. Or yeah. Figures of Buffy, which okay, that's that's out of date. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that, but <laughs> I know what you mean. They're looking for a particular type of. They like reading pictures, you know. They like reading yeah. through pictures and thought bubbles. They don't like reading, to, and they like to see the bam wham, you know, with the pretty graphics and or the dramatic graphics, and they don't want to read prose. That's just not what they're not what they're in that store for. I used to be one of those. Heck. Yep. Um, I got better. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually have a really good friend that is going from being a comic book buff to writing fiction. And he's, you know, taking all the classes that he can and looking around, you know, because he has it all in his head, but he's been so comic book oriented all these years. He's, you know, trying to make it uh, so that he can be writing a, a nice fiction novel based on all of his collected expertise so we'll see right. how that goes so now like somebody like that that's getting ready to start in a niche what what advice would you give them oh write for yourself first and then clean up the mess <laughs> <laughs> see, what, see what comes out and then try to be objective about what you find when you're done and get people's advice like um I was uh, originally with the short stories. I put them out on DeviantArt to get feedback, mm-hmm. and uh, my protagonist was a lesbian, which kind of scared me. In that, like, what business do I have being a straight guy writing a protagonist that's a lesbian, and that's part of her story arc? So right. I put a couple of short stories on, and I went on the message board and said, "Okay, are there any bi or lesbian ladies here that want to read my stuff? And just let me know if you want to slap me." <laughs> I didn't get slapped, so I took that as a sign that I was handling her appropriately. Okay. And some of them became fans, or I shouldn't say fans, that's so conceited. Um, readers, how about that? Yeah. And um, so that's gone really well, and which is nice, especially because that particular heroine was not a role model by any means. Mm-hmm. But uh, people aren't role models. But, no, uh, not, not many people are role models anymore. Uh, people are people. And, yeah. you know, they're role models by sticking to being true to themselves rather than trying to fit into whatever society wants them to be. Yeah, and uh, she faced some backlash in the story for 
her missteps or not not politically incorrectness, but uh, her methods and uh, her biggest problem in the story. Well, I shouldn't say biggest. That what she thinks is her biggest problem is that the lady she falls in love with is straight, right. and she some very brash kind of pickup techniques, which gets her into a lot of trouble. Uh-huh. And sore ribs. But um, she takes her lumps, and it's 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 a fun dynamic because she it gets played for both the drama and the humor, and it, that's kind of why I really enjoyed writing her is because I could do things with her that were funny in a cheeky sort of way, but trying without being offensive at the same time. It's I go on trying to describe it without being able to describe it. Right. Right. And um, I find it very interesting that you use DeviantArt as a sounding board because I've always thought of that as more of a, um, you know, a visual platform. But um, I guess a lot of the Deviant artists would probably have books that are coming out of the characters that they create since that's, you know, a lot of what is out there on DeviantArt is, you know, uh, role-playing characters and different anime and arts yeah yeah you know a lot of i mean i don't want to be cliche but i mean that's what deviant art was was brought up for is for people that didn't have a place to uh show off and and talk about their art that wasn't mainstream you know that's, they didn't have a place the bulk of it still yeah but way back when yeah when I first on deviant arts i you could throw up a picture and it would end up on the front page for a good three minutes and at that time, you could get five, ten comments. Right. Now, you put your page up, your picture up, and you've got less than a second and a half before the new deviations flush it off. Right. So, unless you've already got followers, and how do you get followers? <laughs> yeah. It, it's gotten so big that it's, it's, it's not the same little neighborhood it used to be. But, um, yeah, there's writers, there's sculptors, there's jewelry makers, but... The bulk of it, the huge, huge bulk of it is fan art, or there's a heck of a lot of people that just have a camera and have boobs, and <laughs> they can picture it with that up, which, yeah, there's, a, I, there's an audience. There's not a market, but there's an audience. Yeah. <laughs> those are those are the lookers, not the buyers. Yeah, there, there you go. We, we hope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, um, but you also have, you know, you have access to their uh, bulletin boards. Like you said, they had, they've had forums. Uh, do they still have forums? I know they did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, so you can go there and, and talk to other like-minded people. But, um, well, it's been really great talking to you. What, um, what parting thoughts would you have for people that are listening, that are thinking about getting started? Um, I know we've given them a couple of tips already, but, like, what would be the last thing you'd want them to take away from this? Go for it. Do it for yourself. Don't quit your day job, but keep doing it. That's that's good what advice. Is. Don't quit your day job, but keep on keep on following your your passion and and I, I like your stuff about just write for yourself and then sort it out later. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's great advice for people that there are too many people to try to self-edit. So, all right, Joe, um, tell people where they can find you on the internet. Um, it doesn't sound like you like your Facebook presence too much, but tell us where you're well, DeviantArt. Facebook presence is okay. It's not huge. Um, it, it's, it's a fun little spot, but uh, 
the, the end tip of my funnel is my own site, is uh, O-Z-E-R-O, Ozero.ca. Um, okay. I almost said O-Z-E-R-O, but I know that'll confuse Americans. <laughs> yeah, they'll try to type O-Z-E-D. <laughs> yep. so. I got trouble ordering things online or over the phone. What's your email address? O-Z... How, how do you spell that? No, just... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, the last letter in the alphabet. <laughs> the last letter. So it means that she invented English. That's how it's said. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you do you use Twitter at all? Do you have a Twitter handle? I have one. I haven't used it in ages. I cannot. I cannot do 140 characters. It's it's unnatural. <laughs> You're not the first person to say that in this in this author interview series. <laughs> it's like 140 characters is just the beginning of what I want to talk about. I know. Um, all right, so your Facebook page, where can they find you on Facebook? Oh, good question. I, I'll have to ask my own website. Let me check that out. <laughs> That's funny. All right, well, we'll just let people find you on your website, and they can figure out the rest from there. For those of you that are listening on iTunes, if you want to find out the real URLs to get to all of Joe's stuff, come come to uh, bookities.com and search for Joseph Picard and you'll find the show notes that'll have all the links that he can't remember right now including a link to his art. facebook.com slash book got it alright um, and as always you can find bookities at uh, bookities.com and you can find us on twitter at uh, twitter.com slash bookities and facebook.com slash bookgoodies. We were able to be consistent on all of our platforms. How fun is that? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> also, we'd like to thank geekcast.fm for hosting all of our podcasts because, you know, we know a lot of geeky people, um, authors, internet marketers, all kinds of geeks. And there's a lot of information there about marketing and, and internet marketing that you may be interested in. And you can find me at twitter.com slash Loxley, L-O-X-L-Y. And it's like in Robin Hood, Robin of Loxley. Um, or you can find me at DebraCarney.com. So um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks again, Joe, for being um, an awesome guest. And good, <laughs> good writing and good evening. Everybody have a great day. <laughs>